Hello, 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 and welcome again to What's Happening Now, the podcast where we figure out what's the matter with what matters. A chance for comedians, journalists, genuinely interesting, insightful people, and me to get into things that we think are important. Things that maybe haven't been covered enough, things that maybe we missed, or maybe just things I want to talk about. I'm Sam Hampson, and oh boy, am I glad to be here. Series two, back In the saddle, back to the future, back like David Cameron to government, back, sack, and ready to crack on. One thing we are not, however, is back to square one. And this series, we have some new fun things to talk about with some pretty special people. To start the series, we wanted to find something that makes some people sick. Something that other people would do more often if they could. Something that in the climate change conversation contributes a lot of hot air. And also something that is one of Rishi Sunak's favourite pastimes. No, not making bets with Piers Morgan. Air travel. Catching planes. Riding the great bird in the sky, is a saying, I assume. Whether it's obsessing with forcing asylum seekers aboard, or popping up the road for a meeting, Rishi can't get enough of getting on board. And while many of us may be bored of the expensive, never-ending and possibly never actually starting Rwanda flight conversation, many of us also get off on jetting off. With over 4,000 UK flights per day in January, people still love to get away, despite the rising costs and rising concerns about the environment. And while current ministers might be eyeing the emergency exits as their captain flies them around in circles through turbulence, the possible next government is abandoning its flagship environmental pledge faster than a brick can down a Weatherspoon's pint before the final call for boarding. Never mind bracing, the only position Keir Starmer's Labour Party seems willing to commit to is the foetal position, if there's any sign of polls changing. What's happening now with air travel? And to answer that question, as ever, your friend of mine, James O'Malley is here. Watcher. Watcher. James, how have you been? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Um, you, you, you're prepared for that. The whole of last series, yeah. I'd ask you and you'd go, oh, I don't know. And now we've had a couple of months off and you're great. Yeah, I'm great. I very much enjoyed your one. Look, that was so superbly constructed. I'm delighted. Oh, don't we, we've got to edit I'm that go- phrase out Sorry. now. That direct <laughs> feedback is, is not okay. I'm blushing. How was Christmas, New Year? Are we still allowed to ask that? Yeah, it was all right. It was uneventful. I'm trying to think of genuinely anything interesting I've done. I'm just a man who spends a lot of time in front of screens. I've looked at a lot of screens over the past few weeks. Okay, I'm going to set homework for next week. Mm. Just do something interesting and come back. So this little bit of chit-chat at first, we're going to have something juicy. Pressure's on now. Pressure's on. But you know what? There's not only pressure on you this week. We've got someone to assist you. We're joined by the wonderful comedian, Belle Emily Gold. Welcome to What's Happening Now. Hello, thank you for having me. Belle, it's a delight. How was your start to the year then? I actually, I started the year here at 21 Soho. They did a big New Year's party, great music. Oh, and... you're giving away all our secrets now. You're, you're saying where we're, the hordes oh, of fans dear, are going to be outside. Sh- <laughs> you started the year here what, at the New Year's Eve party? Yeah. I heard very good things. Was that Indie Amnesty? Yes. Oh, I like. I sound cool. Like I wasn't there. I was in bed. Talked off and. and oh, I wish I was. It's great. But you're here to talk to us about air travel this week, James. We're talking about air travel. We've got some clips from mm. an interview we did earlier this week. But first, we're going to do what's happening now. To start this week, we'll go with me. 
that feels very egotistical when I do that because I... Do you want me to say it? Yeah, Belle, make, make me right. feel better. To start this week, we're going to start with Sam's story. Why don't you make it sound more like it? You've just... Who should we pick? Oh, OK. All right, so we've got a few stories on this week, so I hear... Sam, do you want to go first? Oh, sure, thanks. Thanks very much for asking, Belle. I really appreciate that. I've got some good stories to start with this week. My favourite was the Kenyan 800-metre Olympian Michael Saruni has been banned for four years for evading a drugs test. Uh, do you guys know how he evaded that drugs test? Surprise me. Um, <laughs> he ran into the bathroom and got his friend to run out and take the test for him. Did it work? He's been banned for four years. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I love the confidence of that. So, yeah, I'll, uh, just running off the track, you can really picture him just, I'll be back in two seconds, and then a completely different person came out. <laughs> um, and it feels relevant to talk about because drugging in sports is, is also on the news agenda this week as well, James, in a different way. Yeah, is this the enhanced games which has been talked about, which makes me laugh? I just as a concept makes me laugh. It's a story. Do you know Peter Thiel? Is Peter Thiel who's funding it? Yeah, Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel. Thiel. He's like a supervillain. He's like a sort ah. of right, conservative supervillain in America. Has his finger in all these different. Uh, looks very alarmed. Pops. And legally speaking, <laughs> I think for what's happening now is sanity and safety. We can't say he's an actual supervillain. He's like a supervillain. <laughs> you mean he's not shooting molten lava and asking people how he got these scars? <laughs> we'll fact check it, but not yet. We don't think so. <laughs> But yeah, so Peter Thiel is funding the enhanced games, right? And this is this is like the Olympics, but with no controls on doping. You well, can it's like take the purge, it, but with the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of the purge, but I, I, we hope fewer people will die. I don't think it's going to be like wacky races or Mario Kart or something. They're not going to be <laughs> undermining each other. It's purely drugging. I don't know how terrible this is. I really like the idea of it, uh, as crazy as that makes me sound. Why Why don't we see what the maximum humans can do by pumping them full of drugs and hoping for the best? It's a, It's been billed as the Olympics of the future. And do you know what? I think comedians have done this as a bit for a long time. Being like, oh, I love the Olympics, but let's just put them all on drugs and see what they do. And then undermines that bit now because it's actually happening. Um, but, James, if you were to be drugged mm. up for an event, what would it be? Ooh. Sporting events specifically. Sport, I, don't I was, like was going to say, or, no, yeah. yeah, going in to talk to my accountant. For a sporting event, you know what? Football. I want to get back up. Although, being picked last at PE at school for all those years, I want to settle some psychological scores. It's probably weird if you go back to school now on drugs and say, yeah. pick me for a football team. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Belle, is there any, any event you'd love to try while high as a kite? I don't know. LSD might be fun. I've never done it, but just trying to chase down a unicorn while you're missing the finish line in the other direction. <laughs> Throwing a javelin at it, trying to hunt it. Yeah, OK. We're looking forward to this. See, I, I think they've missed a trick. I, th I think it shouldn't be about doping. I think we should do an Olympics, but just have basically a statistically average person in every event. So you say you, so you've got a compar comparable variable. So when they do the 100 metres, I get it. They're all really fast. I want to see the completely average man running against Usain Bolt or whoever, just to see how much better he is. So, I could, so in my head, as a casual viewer, I can understand how fast they're running. Peter Thiel has put up quite a flashy and, and bombastic press release advertising this. It would probably take a different vibe. It's watch a very average man run away. <laughs> but I'm sure he will welcome the feedback, James. Belle, have you got a story for us this week? Yes, so right here we have uh, organ playing a 639-year-long piece, Changes Chord. 639 years long. Yes, it is the longest and slowest music composition in existence. And it had a big day. It changed chord for the first time in two years. Wow. 
I, I feel sad to have missed it. How uh, that feels like a major event in 639 years. It was. Did anyone care? Did anyone notice? Crowds gathered at a church in Germany to witness the rare moment. As, um. <laughs> they're just waiting for the doping Olympics. They're like <laughs> killing time, waiting for something to come next. That's amazing. And and it's... how deep into the piece are we? It began playing in 2001, and it is uh, due to finish in the year 2640, which is so far away, I didn't have time to think how the 2000 worked into it. Okay, so, (laughs) I mean, good news then for listeners who might want to catch a little bit before it's over. They've got time. The the chord change isn't the the last piece they can get to. James, is that on your holiday list for this year, do you think? I I was completely unaware of this, because it's not a ska punk track. I'm completely out of touch. I didn't realise. Is this what the kids are listening to these days? I I, I assume so. Dirgy... 600-year-old pieces of music. Is this on TikTok or something? Is this where they got it from? Yeah, maybe it is what the kids are listening to. Maybe it's not ska punk. Sorry, James, this is this has been rejected by James O'Malley as not being ska punk enough for him, which is his threshold for all stories. <laughs> That's good. Big week for that piece of music. What was it called, Bell? They go to iTunes after this and download it. The composition in full is entitled Organ Squared. It's written as organ to the second power. And uh-huh. Dash A-S-L-S-P which stands for as slow as possible. Appropriately named. Fair enough. Mm. James O'Malley, hit us with your story this week. What has caught your attention? Yeah, so I've, I've been doing the boring politics beat this week because I've been paying attention to Popcorn. Have you heard of Popcorn? Oh, Popcorn, baby, yes. So this is the Popular Conservatism Conference, and it's organised by your friend, Liz Truss. Pop- popular Conservative <laughs> Definition. <laughs> For sure, Liz Truss, yeah. James, how excited were you by Popcorn? I'm intrigued by it because it is the Tories having their... They're going to war and debating what the future of of the right is before they've actually lost the election. They could walk down the road, go to Downing Street and say, let's do some governing, let's change things. But instead, they're having a meeting and talking about how the world is against them. It's very strange. Takes confidence, right? uh, (laughs) One thing she's not short of is, is, is saying how great she is. Let's play a little clip from... Liz. Now, Britain is full of secret conservatives, people who agree with us but don't want to admit it because they think it's not acceptable in their place of work, it's not acceptable at their school. And the left don't just compete with us at the ballot box now, they also work to take over our institutions. And we've seen that. We see it in much of the media, we see it in corporations. We see it most of all in the quangos and government bureaucracy that emerged under Tony Blair. But we didn't do enough to change it. We didn't do enough to take the power back. And Jacob makes a very good point about the legal system. But that is true with the Environment Agency. It's true with Natural England. It's true with the Office of Budget Responsibility. It's true with the Post Office. This is a problem that goes wider than just one government department. It goes right to the way we do government overall. Secret conservatives all around us. Who? I can't possibly imagine why anyone would be embarrassed to be associated with Liz Truss. <laughs> the best bit is she then goes on to list all, basically all of society who were left-wingers and not for them. Belle, is there anything you'd like to rebrand yourself as confidently now and just get everyone on board with that? Because that seems to be the theme here. Rebrand myself confidently. Well, that's what they're doing. They're going, do you know what? We are uh... popular. Everybody loves us. <laughs> I am popular. Everybody loves me. I say as I'm in a room with well, four nerds, if you include myself. How dare you? Get out. No, no we're very lucky to have you. Uh, you, no, are, you are raising the credibility of this room very significantly uh, with your cool music taste that we've been hearing about so far. Popcorn. James, is this going to catch on? 
I think as a phrase, they've done a quite a good job branding it because it sounds. If you if you look very carefully, it sounds a little bit like popcorn. And yeah. I, so I think I think I that could it. become a thing. Yeah, I think that's a deliberate choice. So I think as a brand name, they're doing that. It, it could be a thing. Whether their ideas will take hold, I'm slightly more skeptical. There's a lot of money behind it. There's clearly a big motivation behind it. The director of the thing is a guy who was the director of the Institute of Economic Affairs, a big Liz Truss ally. And this is the big intellectual force in the party more so because if you were to go what's the Tory party all about what is Rishi-ism there isn't really anything there <laughs> whereas at least Liz Truss stands for something whether it's a good or bad idea that's an irrelevant that's, 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 that's another question but, I am um, going to take issue with the phrase intellectual force Lee Anderson was there talking about how coal millions of years ago used to be plants and dinosaurs and that sounds pretty sustainable to him and they say this these wood pellets are sustainable because the trees, we can grow them again. Now, I'm pretty sure that coal, 100 million years ago, was trees and plants. Is that right, Jacob? It was. So I would argue that that's sustainable. Bell, so how long have you been in England? And, and in your time, have you recognised Liz Truss as this intellectual force and popular conservative that she is claiming to be? I've been here a bit longer than she was prime minister. Yeah, that doesn't take much. That's not much of a flex, Val. Uh, blink and miss it for her. <laughs> What's your perception of Liz? She seems a bit daft, to be honest. A bit daft. James, a bit daft, Liz Truss? This is our transatlantic allies damning comments on, on, on Britain. This shows our stature in the world, I think. And we're, we're doing no better across the pond. But <laughs> <laughs> at least you don't... I was going to say, at least you don't have... Got, actually, that's a, quite an American thing to do, is say how great they are at rallies and, and conferences, right? Why do you think I moved here? (laughs) Maybe for popcorn. Maybe for popcorn. We'll see how that unfolds over the next few months. It could be a game changer. Wow. No? (laughs) You're here as the political insight and you looked at me and went, "Mm, no. Yeah, it could be a game changer. They are popular. They're conservative. We heard Liz. There's a lot of secret conservatives out there. I feel like whenever you say popular conservatives, it needs that little Wikipedia citation needed over over, over it. I'm struggling to do it with a straight face. It's, it's, It's... very difficult um, to see her unravel from the once great leader we had. So guys, our big conversation this week is air travel. What's happening now with air travel? Where does it fit in society? What the heck is going on? James, why are we talking about air travel? Why, Why should we care? Air travel is a big topic because of climate, essentially. We all know that we need to reach net zero. 2050, the world has agreed on as this big deadline when, fingers crossed, we will approach net zero in this country. India and China are going to take a bit longer, but the world is going to get there. And then the problem is decarbonising air travel is really difficult because ultimately we have to go on planes which run on jet fuel and jet fuel is fossil fuels and replacing that no one's really figured out a good way to do it yet and it's impossible to to figure out a decent response because it's probably the hardest thing we've got to decarbonize because not only do you have to create this alternative fuel or alternative form of energy but then you've got to make it fly in the sky (laughs) and that's where you're a physics graduate you can tell me why the laws of physics make that difficult james i haven't done physics for a long time i went to my parents house recently was clearing out old books and genuinely some of the equations scared me i was like i don't even know what those symbols mean anymore never mind be able to do it bell how do you feel about air travel is it a big part of your life are you flying over here from america is it do you feel guilty do you feel okay do you love it hate it i quite obviously love traveling i hate what it does to the environment i took the test when i was first registering to vote Technically, I'm supposed to be a Green Party, but we never win anything, so I just... <laughs> I like you were doing that to find out. You're like, let's find out what I'm assigned. <laughs> how, how technically? Is that because uh, you specifically said you hate the air travel, or what's important to you? 
I like the planet and I think people fuck it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> James, what do you think of the Green Party, the saviours we need? I think all the green, every Green Party person I've ever met, lovely. I think some of their ideas bit naive because I think the big challenge with a lot of green ideas is the sort of political questions. There's the science, I think we all agree that climate change is really bad and we need to decarbonise. But how you actually get that decarbonised economy is a much more difficult question because the trouble with air travel is it's really good and convenient. Like getting a plane is so much easier than getting a boat. We travel the world routinely. We have done for half a century or certainly us in the rich world have. And that's how the world functions now. So we can't just say no no more flying, even though arguably for the planet, that's what we should do. We, it's just not going to happen. There's no sort of theory of change there. So I, I find it all a bit frustrating and a bit complicated. To find out a little bit more about the science, this week we spoke to Mark Mirovnik, a professor of material science at UCL and author of books like Liquid Rules, to find out how safe is air travel. Oh, well, I mean, flying has been for many decades the safest form of travel travel per mile so i think in terms of safety although we you know, it's like a lot of things with information now you just get to hear about the, the occasional disasters or in fact in the case of the window popping out it didn't actually result in a disaster which is great but yeah really great. I, I i don't think people need to worry about the safety of air travel per se except for the long-term safety of humans on this planet which unfortunately it is actually going to be a problem for at, in the current trajectory. Safety per, of a person travelling on a flight today, I've got no problem with. <laughs> Safety okay. of the human race on this planet as a result of air travel, if we don't change something quite radically, that is not clear to me. We could go into a long philosophical discussion that we don't have time for, but what I'm saying in terms of, I said people fuck up the planet, really... The planet will be fine. Carlin did a bit on this years ago, but whether we will be able to make it sustainable for ourselves and future generations is, as James rightly put, it's not the easiest things to do because there are immediate economic impacts for things that would take 10, 20, 30 years to put into a reasonable effect. James, where do you think we're at right now and where do you think we're going next with this conversation? I think unless we start acknowledging what's the sort of constraints on this conversation, I think it's going to get frustrating. Uh, I think if we say no more flying, it's just that it, we're going to get, get, keep hitting a brick wall. I think one thing uh, politicians have learnt, especially from the notorious Uxbridge by-election, is that people don't like voting for things which directly impact their lives. You're so going to have to let that go at some point. This, this is going to be a world historical moment. As I say, this is going to be remembered alongside okay. the invention of the printing press and World War Two. Well, don't um, ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, won't. I mean, you can, but you'll be here. For, we've got yeah. quite a short show. He's going to be here for hours talking about this. So I'll ask after we've finished recording. <laughs> You're in for a treat. Um, <laughs> How do you make that yeah. sound vaguely threatening? <laughs> so politicians know uh, that green measures, broadly speaking, can be unpopular. That's why I think it's important to fix the supply side of, of climate issues. So if we, for example, created an abundance of renewable energy, that would make it easier for people to replace their gas boilers. Say. And we need to figure out what the analogy is or what the corresponding thing is for flying. So whether that's some sort of sustainable fuel or just some way of taking carbon out of the atmosphere. And the technologies to do these things are embryonic. That seems to be the only sort of viable way to do it from a sort of political level. It's funny you mentioned that, James, because it's almost like we asked Mark about sustainable aviation fuel a few days ago. Bell, would you like to hear what he had to say on that? I'd love to. Here's Mark Miodovnik when we asked him 
if 100% sustainable aviation fuel in the flight that was recently publicised by Virgin Atlantic was worth getting excited about. I think that's really greenwash at the moment, unfortunately. And, and what does it mean, sustainable aviation fuel? So at the moment, aviation fuel is kerosene, so it's like diesel, some somewhere around like that, a, a very energy-dense liquid that we get from fossil fuels. The sustainable air fuel, so-called, is one in which you get that hydrocarbons, like a diesel-like oil, but you get it from plants that they grow. And the idea that it's sustainable is that, okay, so all the CO2 emissions that are going to be generated in that flight were drawn down by the plants into the oil when it was growing as a crop. So it's carbon neutral. It sort of glosses over the fact that in order to harvest the crop and to squeeze out all the oil and refine it, that all costs energy. So it's not carbon neutral in that sense. But the idea is that, okay, it's still better and therefore it makes it more sustainable. The, the big problem with the logic is when you ca- calculate how much land you need in order to replace current aviation fuel used globally with that kind of fuel, you run out of land for food it's quite quickly. It's a diff- you know, when you use the word sustainable, in which, in which actually most of the world could never use this fuel, that seems to me to be a bit of greenwash. So not, not quite the reassurance we were looking for there from Mark. I was hoping he would have good news. Maybe that was naive. Oh, and you're older than me. I don't hope anymore. <laughs> that's, that's the official what's happening now line is, do you know what? Not worth hoping. Um, when we planned air travel, Bell, that wasn't with the direction we were going with this episode. We were like, do you know what? Keep doing it. Keep loving it. But no, you're not. <laughs> to make matters worse, when we were talking to Mark the other day, I thought I, we were talking to him and I, I thought, I'll ask him another question. I'll ask what else we should be worrying about because maybe there's something else that's even worse. Or, yeah, and I thought I'll end on a cheery note. So. I hate doing interviews with you, James, because your favourite end question he turns to the person and goes, what else should we be panicking about that we're not already? And that is not the light note I'm looking for. But you did ask him that as well. I think pollution is probably another one that we should probably needs needs a more creative solution. So, for instance, plastic pollution is an epidemic. There's a basically a lorry load of plastic going into the ocean every minute. That's essentially what we're doing to the planet. And that's basically putting huge pressure on all our ecosystems. So bird populations marine life and soil fertility are all going down as a result of doing that. All things that we, we rely on, that's our life support system. So we're crazy to do it. And then there's also that questions about whether the small bits of plastic as a result of all that, we know are getting into our bloodstream. We know actually there's some recent results that they crossing the, the, the barrier of the gut into the body we're eating them. If you have a, a bottle of water, you're actually ingesting thousands of microplastics particles. Just a, a bottle of water you bought from a shop, which you think must be the purest way to drink water, but it turns out it isn't. When bottled water has microplastics in it, you have to really start to take <laughs> stock and go, hold on a minute. We Do we not need to completely revise how we are doing stuff with the way we package stuff? It, it, it's certainly not good that we're ingesting so much plastic into our bodies. There's supposedly a little bacteria, though, now that has evolved to digest plastic. Well, a long way to go from cleaning the Atlantic oceans. That's really reassuring. Do you know what? Mark didn't tell us about that. I'm glad you're here, Belle. I was mm-hmm. going to stop drinking bottled water completely, but now I just need to find that bacteria <laughs> I as don't, well. I don't have Nestle's inserting them into each bottle. No, you're very reassuring. I'm hoping to, to find a dealer and we can follow up on my bottled water. James, you mm. did admit that was a vice of yours, which... That's my word. I don't smoke. I don't take drugs. I'm a very boring man, but I do drink a lot of bottled water. I like that you said 
but <laughs> I'm a very boring man. But <laughs> but my yeah, the exciting trait about me, the thing that made my partner look open their eyes, and go holy cow, who's this enigmatic man? Was I drink bottled water? Which what's your tipple of choice? I don't mind a Highland Spring or an Evian. I'm a... Con- oh. Yeah. I like all sorts of bottled water. No Perrier? Ooh. Don't, don't like fizzy water, though. Don't, what's, I don't want to do Steady with on, that. Steady on, Yeah. <laughs> Look, man's got his limits. He'll, he'll drink it straight and still, but fizzy beyond him. James, Bell, thank you very much for today. We've covered aviation and whether we should f- f- feel depressed about it or not. Apparently, just stop hoping. Stop hoping and watch movies. There we go. There we go. Good advice to end on. Bell, thank you so much for being with us this week. Thank uh, you for having me. Really appreciate your time. James, you're part of the furniture now, so I'm going to stop saying thank you, but it is nice to hang out with you. Nice to see you again after a too long a gap. Yeah, we'll, well I'll be back next week, and uh, we'll be talking about something else, no doubt, uplifting and cheerful, and is that what we're talking about next week? Something that's going to make people happy rather than despairing. Next week we're doing crime. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Yep, goodbye. See you next week. Bye. This episode of What's Happening Now has been made with our producer, Adrian Bradley, and with contributions from Mark Miodovnik. Thank you.